As I'm getting more invitations to be a speaker and to sing at churches, I've created these shortened episodes called Music Bites. They're a sample of messages I can share related to the songs I've written that center around faith, healing, grieving, and Jesus Christ. If life were a timeline, you have this horizontal line and then you have vertical notches every time something really significant happens. And sometimes something so significant happens that you can't even relate to the person you were before uh, this event. Like, for example, for me, a big one is I've been a parent for about 14 years. I cannot even relate to my life before 2009 when I became a parent when my husband and I could just say, hey, you want to go get some food? Yeah, let's go. And just walk out the door without having to coordinate little kids' shoes and find them and having to plan ahead. Oh, we need to get a babysitter or, you know, just being able to leave and come back whenever we want to and not have anyone to answer to. I can't relate to that in the least. The most impactful and dramatic event that's ever happened on my timeline of my life was in May of 2018. It was Memorial Day. It was the 28th and it started out with plans of going swimming at the community pool. We were going to try out the fire pit in our backyard. We'd recently moved from California to Utah. So my husband and I and our four kids, ages nine down to two. And we planned to use the fire pit in the backyard for the first time. And in the morning, around 10 o'clock, I took my two-year-old daughter and my three-year-old son to the park. And it was just down the street. We walked down the street and my little three-year-old son, Wesley, had this little push bike he was on. And he loved this park because there's this little hill he could go to the top of it and he could ride his little push bike down and he just loved so much. And he said, Mom, watch me, watch me. So he'd go to the top of this little hill and he'd wind down. And I remember that day. It was such a beautiful day. The sky was so blue. There was puffy white cumulus clouds in the sky. And for some reason, I decided to record him going down this hill on my phone. And I did it on Facebook Live. I just went live on Facebook. And he's at the top of the hill and he smiles and then he comes down and I say, there, there he goes. And I pan up to the big sky and then I pan over to my two-year-old daughter, Olivia, who's kind of fussy in her stroller and she's tired and she needs a nap. And I said, oh, and the crowd goes wild and there he goes. And it was a short video and we played at the park, the playground for a little bit. And then I took them home for a nap before we were going to go swimming. And Olivia put her in her crib. Wesley didn't really want to go down for a nap. Um, so he came out a few times and he'd been in his room for a little while. And I thought he had quieted down to go to sleep and he just came running out of his room at one point and I could tell that he was choking on something. And so I ran into his bedroom. Um, I didn't know what it was. And I saw on the floor, there was a bolt, like it had fallen out of his toddler bed. And there was a couple of holes in the bed, um, like two bolts, like he had been spending his time unscrewing these loose bolts and with his finger or something. And there was, I, I knew that he instinctively knew he had choked on one of the bolts. And, um, as a mom with young kids, I'd had little scary moments like this many times where a kid maybe chokes on food for a second and it's really scary, but they throw it up and it's fine. But I was really wanted to be extra diligent that day. So I called 911 right away because it was really freaking me out because I'd never had a kid choke on something like that before. 
um, I called my husband to come upstairs and, um, I was on the phone with dispatch and there was a, there was a police officer patrolling the neighborhood who came over really quickly while we waited for the ambulance to show up because we couldn't get it out. Um, he was still breathing slightly, but it was really scary. And this ambulance came and we, we didn't know what was really, what was going on. He'd stopped breathing a little bit, but they got the bolt out and then they said, we're going to life flight him to the children's hospital, primary children's in Salt Lake. And there wasn't room on the life flight for um, either my husband or I, because they had an extra uh, surgeon doctor on the, the flight. And um, we drove in a car, the bishop of our congregation, he drove us, he's a neighbor. And um, I didn't even have shoes on my feet, but we didn't know how he really was doing. They called us a few times to say, hey, are you close? Are you here? We said, how is he doing? They said, we'll tell you when you get here. So we were thinking, oh my gosh, is he getting get rushed into emergency surgery and we have to consent? We weren't really sure what was going on. And we got to the hospital and it was like a movie scene. They told us to come in through the ambulance entrance and they just opened the doors for us and rushed us in. And we went to this room where a doctor came in and she said, I'm so sorry your son has suffered an irrecoverable irrecoverable accident and he didn't make it and we've been doing chest compressions on him for the past 40 minutes when you've been driving to the hospital and we wanted to let you be the ones to call off the chest compressions which is essentially his life support um, although he wasn't even really responding they just they wanted to show us that they did everything they could and it's the strangest, most surreal experience to have a child pass away in such an unexpected way. And I look at pictures of myself before this happened and I almost can't even relate to that person. She didn't know what was coming, but she didn't know how much she was going to be changed by this. And when somebody dies... I call it the twilight zone because time just slows down and everything feels really heavy. It's like you're walking through mud and you're exhausted because your emotions are so intense and there's so much to process. It feels like you're living in a movie, but like it's actually your real life. It's so hard to process. And, you know, people asked me, um, after your son passed away, when you would fall asleep and wake up the next day, did you have to remind yourself what happened? Was it like you wake, woke up and everything felt fine and then you were reminded what happened and it was like you were reliving it again every morning? And at first that wasn't the case at all. I would fall asleep with him on my mind and I would, it's like I was processing in my sleep. My dreams were about this loss and I would wake up just knowing because it never left me. And I, two days after he passed away, it's just still in this fog, this twilight zone, of course. And it's just, I was so physically tired. I remember getting out of bed because I heard kids and I needed to get up. And then I just sat down on the stairs and I just, it was just 
everything was so overwhelming and tiring. I just sat down and I just sighed. And I thought the words, oh, sweet boy. Because he, Wesley, such a sweet soul. I've, he was the third of my four kids, almost four years old. And he just had the most sweetest, the most sweet demeanor. Always the one who'd run up to a kid who was hurt and give him a hug. He wouldn't be concerned when he was in preschool, whether he was the first one to get out the door or in the door. He was not competitive in that way. He was happy to let his his friends go in front of him and just had this sweet half smile on his face constantly. I called it his perma smile. And so I was just sitting there thinking, sweet boy. And as I was thinking those words, this melody came into my head. Oh, sweet boy. And I'm a musical person. I've, I'm a singer and I've dabbled in songwriting. Um, but then this other thought came into my head about him. I was just thinking, you were loved before you were born. And that thought came with a melody attached to it. It was like the song was just being given to me. These thoughts and words were coming into my head and then melody was coming along with it. And it's true, He before he was born, I had the older two kids, Gabby and Chad. Chad was about two and I just, we took a family picture, family portrait, and there was this space that looked like it was supposed to be filled. I, when I looked at the picture on my wall, I, there's, we're missing someone. He's supposed to be, or she, we didn't know. They're supposed to be right there in this picture. There's, it's like there's this, there's a spirit that wants to be in our family. I'm having this experience where I feel like we're lacking someone. And so that's when we decided we were ready to have our third. And Wesley was born. And then I, my brain, as I'm sitting there on the steps and these words and these mel- this melody is coming into my mind. I thought of when, he was, when I was delivering him at the hospital. And they laid him in my arms. And a tear unexpectedly formed in the corner of my eye and just trickled down my cheek. Because I was so caught off guard by the sweetness of his spirit. His soul just had this unusual sweetness and it surprised me and it made me cry. And so I'm sitting there on the steps and the line, tears sprang forth when they laid you in my arms. I didn't know how sweet a soul could be. Came into my mind again with melody attached So at this point, I've caught on that I'm apparently writing a song about Wesley and my grief is turning into music and it feels like a beautiful way to put words to what I'm feeling, an artistic expression that is a tribute to him. And I continue to think about, okay, if I'm writing a song, then what would I say next? And it just came so effortlessly And it seemed to have this floating tune that came along with it. And I had to put it down. I wasn't just working on it straight for however long it took. I had to take care of kids and do other things. But I would write all of the lyrics into this note on the note app on my phone. And I would record on voice memo the tune so I wouldn't forget it. And I finished it around late afternoon. And then I had this thought that felt like a prompting. 
And I was kind of arguing with the spirit because the thought was, you're supposed to sing this for Wesley's funeral on Saturday. And my knee-jerk reaction was, you've got to be kidding me. That's a tall ask. First of all, it's, it's a melody that's on the app on my phone. It's not an actual song that's ready to be sung in front of hundreds of people. And I wasn't even planning on getting up to say anything. Like, how am I going to make it through a song that I just wrote? It's so raw. And who's going to play the piano? Or like, I don't even have an accompaniment. I'm like, I can't sing an acapella. And I, I don't have a lot of bandwidth to put together something like this. I'm still just, I'm in the twilight zone. I'm in this daze. But it was clear, you're, no, you're supposed to sing this for his funeral. And a way is going to be provided. So I, I texted my voice teacher, because he's also this brilliant musician who can come up with piano background for any song and give him a tune, and he just makes something beautiful on the spot. And I texted him, and I said, hey, my son passed away two days ago, and unexpectedly I wrote this song that I feel like I'm supposed to sing at his funeral. Are you available on Saturday? And if I were to send you a song, you could come up with piano and help and play it for me at the funeral and he said send it over so we planned to meet an hour before the funeral to practice and we really only needed 20 minutes because it just came together so beautifully it was like handed to us and so we just we practiced it like two or three times and we just said okay it's ready and it's called Wesley's song and here it is. Hold you 
place brings peace.